accent of women would like to acknowledge the Kulin nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. We pay our respect to elders past and present of the Kulin nation and recognise their unceded sovereignty. Hello and welcome to Accents of Women. I'm Ayan Shirwa. When you hear the word love, what comes to mind? Is it family? Romantic relationships? Friendships? Maybe even self-love? On today's episode, I sit down with Bigwa Chol, an arts and culture creator, to help us make sense of a concept that is so polarizing. Today's episode is inspired by an upcoming event called Let's Talk Love, hosted by Bigwa Chol for the Melbourne Writers' Festival. The show also features contributors from the book Growing Up African in Australia. I think it's important to let our listeners know that you and I do know each other. So we've known each other for a while, but that's not why I brought you on the show. I brought you on the show because you have an interesting show coming up. Um, Before we do that, let's start from the beginning. Let's go all the way to the genesis. Tell me about Little Big One. Little Big One. I was thinking about um, this and Little Big One is, um, it's interesting even for me because memory is a really interesting thing. It's so sensitive and sometimes we remember things because they're retold many times. Sometimes we remember things because they're the things we've seen the most. Um, So I think it's really, memories are such an interesting thing. I don't have a great memory, even now as an adult. So I have sort of bits and pieces. And for example, you know, there's a certain birthday I remember, I think when I turned maybe 11. And I remember it because there's lots of photos of that birthday. Mm. So I always think, is it, do I really remember it? Or it's just because it's fresh because I always have these pictures or stories, whatever the case is. Um, I, I remember even, um, I think it was in 96, I have a birthday card from my uncle Toot. And I was like, we were writing birthday cards in 96. But <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, memory is a really interesting thing. Um, I think I was curious, sensitive. I cried easy, I'm told. Um I'd like to think I was, oh yeah, curious and open and I don't know, just kind of, yeah, just, yeah. just, just, yeah. yeah. No, nothing, I don't remember any intenseness in myself in any way really, but yeah. it could be described differently maybe. What about your reading style? What was your reading style like growing up? Do you remember the books that sort of stayed with you? I guess I have sort of several worlds in which to delve into when I talk about upbringing, growing up, and family, and place, and environment. Um, And I don't remember too much um, younger, but I guess I more remember maybe like high school. And it wasn't those sort of generic books. Generic books are just given to... You know, for nothing, I don't remember any book really sticking out or being interesting or being, yeah, like I, it's fuzzy. And I think, yeah, nothing, they weren't amazing, <laughs> if that makes sense, um, for my place and time and being. Yeah. Because, um, you know, books I've read now deliberately, um, 
yeah, they're, they're powerful. So I think I read, you know, things that people around me read or things that were at the school library, which um, were limited in terms of how culturally open and um, who those authors were and what they were writing about. Um, I suppose um, certain periods in England or whatever it is, you mm. know. So, yeah, that's why they don't stick. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I was reading. Yeah. You know, Christian romance novels, you know, like. <laughs> Christian? I did not know there was such a thing. But I was gifted by somebody. So it's also that thing about who's around you and, you know, what their walk is and what their environment is. Yeah. So that was, yeah. Um, Sounds interesting. Yeah. Can you tell me more about the Christian love? This was this was um, high school. I guess it was just about those stories, right? Very, um, you know, a woman is a certain way and the relationship is a certain way. The pursuer, the one being pursued. And um, I guess those um, uh, certain culturally defined ideas of Christianity um, for very Eurocentric views Mm. um and and sometimes i wonder if that if there was a place for that and i i say no no (laughs) you know um i don't think i was missing if i hadn't read them i don't think i'd have felt like i was missing out yeah um so i i wonder more about if i had read a tony morrison as a young person oh i'm so glad you mentioned her because like just certain authors, I'm like, what if I had read uh, Mungi Wathyongo or something like that at a young age? I don't know. Yeah. You know, decolonizing literature and language. And wow. I don't know. I think about that. What What would that have meant? Yeah. yeah. I think about that when I think about books. I, I think about books I should have read more than books I did read. Right, right. Mm. And you also mentioned Toni Morrison. Um, mm. Toni Morrison passed away not not long ago, mm. so it would be a, almost a week now. Mm. Um, I remember ch- looking at your social media. This was a few years back mm. on, I think it was your Instagram, and you would have photos of the books that you were reading, and one of those books was Toni Morrison. I think it was The Bluest Eyes. I haven't read The Bluest Eyes yet. Oh, no. I think it was Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. Because it was a time that all of us were reading Toni Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like you might have suggested... Bluest Eyes, yeah. It wasn't, no. Mm. And then I remember it also was reading. There was a book we were all kind of passing it around and reading. It Mm. wasn't Bluest Eye. Or maybe it was several Toni Morrison books. But there was a period where we were all reading Toni Morrison. Yeah. um, Recommending and sharing books. But I think I knew you had, we were supposed to swap. Actually, I remember now. You may not remember. You and I were supposed to swap songs of Song of Solomon. With the bluest eye, but I don't think we ever did. Well, yeah. I feel like that's on my because <laughs> it was such a yeah, it was such a impactful book, and I still remember it. it was it was really triggering. I know it's like award winning and it's profound, but it's yeah. a book that I wouldn't suggest going and reading nilly willy. Mm. It's you've got to be in the right state of mm, mind, and you've right. got to also have a really good understanding of who you are right. before you read it. Right. Um, but it's definitely a book I suggest all young black girls, especially young black girls who are on the margin, right. that they should read as well. There's a book called, I think, God Save the Child. I read that. I feel like that might be a bit lighter than maybe mm. The Bluest Eye, but that was really interesting as be, being a Sassanese who's um, got a very dark skin or complexion, whatever. Um yeah, that was interesting. 
Um, but I think, yeah, you're right in recommending books because there was a, there's somebody I follow on Instagram and they review books. They're a black woman and they had recommended this book and I read it. I won't mention what the title is, but it was an old book and it had really outdated terminology in it. And I remember thinking that it's a good, like there's certain insights, good insights in the book, but I think recommend it with that kind of content warning saying, hey, this has, you know, especially mm. was around disability and things like that. Okay. Um, so I remember thinking, yeah, it's important to give people a little bit more context or sort of idea of what to expect in a book, especially, you know, like you said, you know, with the blue aside. Yeah. So I've recommended that book, but I said, hey, this also has, because it can be triggering to yeah. some people to see sort of some of those mm. things in there. So she, if they, yeah, she's yeah. going to recommend a book. I think it's part of the responsibility. Um, okay, so you and I, you and I, Bigwa, met um, through Still Nomads. How did you hear about Still Nomads? Wildest story. I think it's a wild story. Mm-hmm. I was on Eventbrite. Who goes on it? Okay, back then, it was, it's like five years That's ago. That's the whitest thing I've ever heard. Oh, my God. You've got black friends. Why do you need to go on Eventbrite? Fine. I actually didn't. I don't, I don't say I didn't have a lot of black friends, but I was on the margins as a black person. And yeah, maybe I'll, yeah, okay. Let's start with the story. So I don't know why I'm on event. I don't think I was usually on Eventbrite. Um, I'm on Eventbrite. This, ra- this was so random. Don't usually go on Eventbrite. I'm on Eventbrite. And it says Richmond, still nomads. I think it said Afro-Australian artists or art or something like that. And I was like, get out. I had never seen anything like that. It was so specific. I don't remember the description. Maybe maybe we can find it after and even like see what actually said. Um, it was so specific. And I think, I don't know if there was like pictures. I, I don't recall. But I remember being like, this, I've never seen this before. Mm. Like, this is for me. Like, I just, and I remember I went... It was it was in Richmond, and I went. Uh, so it was like a warehouse, and I went an hour early, and they were still setting up when I got there. Um, and that was the first ever Still Nomads event. I saw it on Eventbrite, randomly scrolling through, and there's this event. Um, and so that was that was Still Nomads. I remember just being in a space that was for me. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd ever, and by people who are like me um, and who are holding space for 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 blackness mm. in this place and for art and for expression and for, um, yeah, just all those things. Yeah, all those, I guess to some extent I knew that was missing. So that was that. And um, I think maybe people shared some art, maybe there were some, some musicians. I remember feeling this overwhelming urge to share something. I began really appreciating the art of performing and that relationship and that energy that happened because of who my audience was. Mm. And I realized, because I don't perform anymore, I realized that's what was missing. It was really, it, I was in communion with my audience, which mm. were these black women who were also artists or appreciators of art whatever it was um and it wasn't about being called an artist and it wasn't about performing it was literally about that thing that Mm. happened 
I was they were mirroring something and I was it was a it was a conversation Mm. it was us spending time together sharing um there was something about that and I think that's how I came to enjoy that process of performing Mm. yeah that that was it really yeah Yeah. who's your poetry for I think it, it it's for black women it's for black women and in a way um, me and a good friend were talking about um, how it's not about me. And it's not in this sort of martyrdom idea, but it's not about me that there is something almost like palpable and entwining us somehow that I am, I'm, I'm giving an offering to this bigger thing. Mm. I'm just... It's like, you know, that one stick of wood into the firewood, right? Like, it's just, it's adding to this big thing. And I think that's what my poetry is. So one of the poems that stuck with me is a poem where basically a guy projects his ideas of you. And he was thinking you were this certain way and you're not. Yeah, I think because people, whatever they perceive... I am or the way I talk or the way I look or the way I move that they then make up their conclusions that this is then how I must be um, assembled. Um, And I think when you're young, you do play into some of that stuff. Um, But, yeah, I feel like I've always felt when something didn't feel right. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's just, it's a long time ago. But, yeah, mm. it's sort of about, it's not really about me, it's about you. Your ideas of me are not about me. They're really about you. Mm-hmm. So what about you? On today's program, we've been chatting to Bigwa Chol, an arts and cultural curator about childhood, friendships and community. We now return to the show to continue our conversations about love and the people and communities who nourish us. How would you describe Medita and Chill? Medita and Chill is gathering, talking, being with one another. Uh, Medita and Chill is about what are the things that we want to talk about as young Sassanese people and let's talk about them and how do we talk about them and how do we do that together? And how do we uh, think together? And, um, yeah, doing that yeah. collectively. Because I think we do it alone. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And, and you have activities. I notice there's, like, like, games and so on. Why have you chosen that platform of games and so on to... Um, I mean, it encompasses really many different things. But I think it was about... Um, having culture be a source of strength. And when you think about it, there are a lot of things that are associated with um, culture and we're not seen as young people as the carriers of culture or people who can have an opinion about culture. It's just to be sort of um, divided out to the young people. This is kind of what we do. And we talk about sort of these ideas of culture, especially for women, is used as a like a boundary um, to reprimand you, you know, um, you know, Sassanese women don't do this, you know, um, and th- those are the 
places where culture has been, um, I guess, explicitly called out as something I'm not performing or engaging with mm. correctly. So it's used to sort of re- reel me back in, mm. I've found. And sort of these ideas of, um, you know, certain cultures being more inherently anti-woman or, you know, all these different things. And sometimes those things have nothing to do with culture. They just are not good things, you know. Um, so instead of attributing it to this is how culture has always been, um, then it almost gives the idea of explaining why it is the way it is and the possibility that there's nothing you can do about it. And I've engaged in sort of many conversations with older South Sudanese folks about you know these ideas of culture, and I found that it's not many people that think that they're carriers of culture, which mm. was really surprising to me. And when you hear stories and the backgrounds of people and where they've been and sort of this really long history, especially amongst us needs of displacement, you know, I had aunties who from very young ages had left South Sudan. Excuse me. Those are stories that I didn't know existed and sort of, you know, um, those silences that follow us a lot, Right. And I haven't done a lot of research on this, and I, I really hope to in the future. Is what are the what are the key things that really um, amplify and harden silence around people and mm. family and certain issues? And um, I think it's easy to say wartime displacement, but I need it to be more here. Mm. Do you know? Um, because there's folks who haven't seen that, but also there's level of like inheriting, you know, trauma, right, generationally. But there's there's also some wisdom that you also inherit at the same time. Mm. I believe you can inherit the bad stuff, you can inherit the good stuff as well. Mm. So it's about uncovering sort of those ideas and looking back on culture or where you've come from or where you are from, um, and not location-wise but whether it's a parent or family or ethnicity, whatever that means, um, and and asking some of those questions and being more curious than um, defensive. Mm. And, it, and a lot of people have the right to be angry or upset because it has hurt. Culture has been something that's used to hurt us um, or in the name of, right? And so, yeah, it's looking at those things and... Yeah, sort of, you know, sort of that old idea of how do you know where you're going, you know where you're coming from, you know? Yeah. So a little bit of that stuff. Um, but, yeah, definitely just just looking more curiously at this stuff. Mm. And how have people taken to it? So, for example, there's certain things that Sassanese households will have in their living room. Um, you know, you know, fourth, you, you kind of have them on your chairs or your tables or maybe you have... Um, you know, a certain cabinet that has all these cups that nobody ever touches, um, you know, plastic plants and, you know, sort of a mufraka or um, certain foods we eat, certain tea we drink. Um, Medida is a South Sudanese porridge that a lot of us drink and that everyone's mom makes it differently. So we brought that in because we're like, this is something we can collectively share on and can ground us to begin that conversation. Um, so again, pulling those things in that sometimes are in the periphery because you're kind of trying to survive, mm. you know, this place. 
and you don't get to you don't have time you don't have the the peace within to get time to think about that stuff um so for us it was sort of bringing those elements as centra- central and and great and important and um significant and that and some level of inheritance and some level of you can do what you want with this cuz it's yours mm. making them feel like they are also owners and can participate and engage in whichever way they want to and they can deviate from it from whichever way they want to mm. yeah growing up big while what was your what were your ideas about love mm. i wasn't someone who was thinking about weddings or and I was like I was I was curious about that. I'm like who was thinking about that? <laughs> Cuz I don't I'm sure somebody was, but so <laughs> Okay. I'm yeah. a sucker. There is these people, you know, sort of that <laughs> that very Hollywood um idea of relationship and young girls are kind of um thinking about who they're in a very heterosexual lens, who their husband or you know is going to be. And what he looks like, what the house is going to be, and kids, and blah, blah, blah. I didn't, I had no kids that I was naming. <laughs> Actually, I do have a friend who, who has done that. Um, so that just wasn't, I just, I really didn't do that. I feel like a long, long time ago, maybe there was somebody I liked, but I don't remember anything coming of it. Um, but no, I didn't, I didn't really think about it that way. um especially in a romantic sense um and i guess also growing up here being in primary school you weren't the girl that people thought was attractive not that at that time i felt unattractive but it wasn't something that was um in my immediate surrounding or experience or you know just walking through life it wasn't you know and then i also did go to a a christian school and you know later on it just wasn't Yeah, I just wasn't thinking about that mm. really. Yeah, I was kind of just hanging out, yeah. I don't know, reading. I don't know what I was doing, mm. but yeah, and I'm a little bit still like that, very blah. I don't want to say blasé, but just chilled. Mm. Yeah, I'm quite <laughs> chilled and I'm not bothered by too much and you know, if I have a friend or a cousin, I got very lucky to have amazing cousins that I got to call my friends and Yeah, we didn't we you know we used to like sing karaoke and record ourselves on cassette. Mm. Yeah, not um I don't remember having any friends that had, you know, boyfriends or anything like that. So it just didn't mm. I wasn't thinking about it. Yeah. So you're part of uh an event called Let's Talk Love. Mm. Tell me about that event and how it got started. Let's talk about love. That's by Afrohub and um I guess the bedrock of that is wanting to talk about self-love. How do we continue to redirect energy back to ourselves um to continue to really keep up that effort of self-improvement, self-nurturing, um yeah, self-loving, loving on yourself. Um How do you do that? And I think it's a it's an important question as um black African people who live on stolen black land. I'm always thinking about that and I'm yet to kind of really come to what that means for me. So I guess um yeah, it's in a in a very sort of 
hostile place, a place that's very quite hostile to blackness, especially I think about how difficult it was for me, um, but I didn't grow up with the media, you know, doing kind of what they've been doing the last two years or so. So that erosion of self-confidence, of esteem, of dignity, um, it takes a toll. And mm. then you have, you know, other dynamics outside of that in your own personal life and things that maybe young people go through just cause, right? Mm. Um, and then sort of structural things as well. Yeah. And um, so they, they compound. They really compound. And so I think it's important to sit and and take a moment to think about what that looks like mm. um, for you. And I've, again, I've been so, so, I don't know if luck is the right word, but um, seen by other black women that I can have those conversations. I was out a couple of weeks ago and I was having conversations that I feel like I always have. And the recipients, these sort of new folks I was around were like, you know, wow, and da da da. And I was like, no, I like I always have these conversations. Like I'm around people who this is just what we talk about. Mm. Where there is, you know, thinking about kinesiology, we're just thinking about, you know, um going to therapy, whatever it is, you know, sort of the all those different things. It's not it's what I'm around people who are like, Hey, you know, I did this the other day or always sharing their experiences and I feel like I learned from a lot of those conversations. Mm. So I guess we wanted to talk to contributors of Growing Up Africa, African, I always mess up, Growing Up African mm. in Australia, um, you know, with the sort of incredible stories that they shared in that book, um, as nuanced as that is, Growing Up African in Australia. Um, and I think, yeah, how, what is that and how is it and how have we done it and how can we continue to do it? And how haven't we done it? And when, and what are the bad days? I think that's important, too, in a conversation about self-love. Mm. When are the bad days? When are the days that it's hard to? Um, there's a poem I wrote, and there's a line in there. Hopefully I can remember it properly. It talks about um, when, when I need the sun, I paint the clouds blue. There's a line that says that. And I'm like, there's also that, you know, um, when, when, is, when, when is the right time and the right place um, to do this kind of healing or to, the, to this, this kind of conversation or to, to sleep, you know, or to get up, right? Um, yeah. If you enjoyed today's conversation and would love to hear more, check out the event Let's Talk Love, hosted by Big Witch Hall and featuring the contributors of the book Growing Up African in Australia. Let's Talk Love is part of this year's Melbourne Writers Festival. The event is free, but registration is essential. Accent of Woman is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally by the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ayan Shirwat.